0: Hi everybody, how are you? Doing well? Are you doing well? Are you doing good? Yeah. Good. It's good to be with you guys. We're going to have a great day today. How many of you are nervous about this subject? You're, you're concerned right now, I'm going to start just running around the building. and We're going to be okay. We're going to do that at the end, but we're not going to do that right now. Okay? So just get your shoes on, stretch out a little bit. Uh, excited to be part of this series and get to wrap it up. If you haven't been with us as Pastor Ben, we've been looking back over this rich history of of the Christian church movement and trying to understand the different influences that shaped our understanding and our experience with church. And today we're going to talk about one of the, the most recent influences on the Christian faith. And recent by what we mean is about the 19th to 20th century, the charismatic or Pentecostal influences. And so we we look back every week to try to just Put some history to what we're talking about. And then we ask this question, okay, how does that history inform us today? And so if you'd like to take notes, you're more than welcome to do that. But uh, here's some of the historical underpinnings to the Pentecostal and and, uh, charismatic movement. This was born out of the holiness movement. And you remember when Pastor Ben taught on uh, the Methodist movement. And out of that came this growing discontent with the social climate outside the church and how it was kind of had crept into the church and people were looking more, there was really no kind of remarkable difference between those that claimed to follow Christ and those outside the church that didn't. And then there was a kind of an increase in sort of a doctrine and belief that was saying that the things of God were back in the, the First Testament church, that New Testament church, and it was, so there was even some sort of liberal theology that, we'll, we'll kind of talk about that, kind of a redefining of who Jesus is, and all of this is started, had taken hold of the American church, and even the European church, and and there were groups of people in the mainline denominations that Pastor Ben had walked through that started to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, that, that can't be true, because when I read the Bible, I don't, I don't read and see these things happening so they broke away and started forming these tribes of people that gathered and said, "Lord, do it again. Just just come like what we read about in the scriptures and bring your power and God, we want to be holy. We want to be pure. We we should abstain from things like dancing and drinking and things like that and we should be remarkably different. And as this group gathered and prayed and worshipped and read scripture, there were strange things that took place. There were strange things that took place. Things that we'll talk a little bit about today. They spoke in tongues. They had miracles take place that they had not yet seen before. And it revolves around a phrase and an idea that you might be familiar with or you've heard about called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And out of this was kind of an emphasis... On speaking in tongues, if you read the list of the gifts of the Spirit, which you can find in Corinthians, you can just Google gifts of the Spirit in the Bible, you'll see a long list of these. And there's some gifts that have these very powerful demonstrations, and one of them is this ability to speak in a language that you don't normally speak. Out of that, this became kind of one of the defining characteristics of the Pentecostal movement. And as this group grew, the mainline churches shunned that group and said, that's, that's, not a, that's not biblical, that's not right. And so they gathered up and then out of that, they became a movement themselves. And so we have groups of churches called the Assemblies of God. You might have heard those churches. Or you're driving down the street and you see, you know, a word of deliverance. You know, maybe a phrase that you're like, hmm, I wonder about that. That's probably a church rooted in some of this doctrine that we speak of. Then in about the 1960s, what started to happen was there were groups of people that practiced that kind of theology and that kind of experience, but they wanted to enter back into the mainline denomination. They didn't want to break away from that. And that became what was called the charismatic groups of people. And so those folks returned to Baptists and Lutherans, and so you have charismatic Catholics, you have charismatic Lutherans, you have charismatic Baptists, and that group of people, though, does have somewhat of a variance. And this is, the reason why I want you to do this is so that you can sp- talk to people who have different backgrounds and just feel comfortable this Thanksgiving. Why don't you just bring up, hey, how many of you speak in tongues? <laughs> just, just do that. that. That would go really well. Before we cut the turkey, how about we all speak in tongues? That, that'd go over really good. But... What happened was that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a group, the Pentecostal believe that the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit, the second infilling after salvation, the second infilling, the evidence of that is speaking in tongues. Charismatics on the other hand say, we would would believe in that, we would believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we don't believe that the initial evidence is tongues. That's that's my theology. I'm, I'm a practicing charismatic christian but i would not ascribe to that particular line of doctrine okay so that's just a little bit of background now what do we do with all that well here's what i want to do this morning because i want to honor what i think is an important contribution regardless of whether you speak in tongues or don't or you what i don't want to do is we're not going to put that on you today just relax relax we're not doing that this morning that's this church is not designed to pressure you in that direction. But here's what we want to unapologetically draw your attention toward this morning. The person of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. We're going we're to wrestle with that a little bit this morning. We're going to talk about, do you and I leave here and do we operate with a life-honoring understanding of the Holy Spirit? See, because my guess that for most of us in this room, we have a pretty good understanding of God the Father. You know, we have a dad, so we've got some sort of frame of reference for that. For the other side of it, we, you know, Jesus got it. I've heard a lot about Jesus. I've seen the passion of Christ, and I've seen the pictures. And, you know, I, I think I understand God the Father and Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, that's just weird. You know, that just is odd. You know, I'm not, I'm not really sure I could describe what the Holy Spirit is, or any way you would even use words like it. And so, in fact, there's, if it was really kind of laid out as sort of this continuum, there's a group of people that tend to, and at one extreme, overemphasize the Holy Spirit. What I mean by that is, it is just all about the Holy Spirit. They wake up every day, you know, Holy Spirit, should I go to the refrigerator? And what milk should I get? And Holy Spirit spoke to me, and the Holy Spirit told me to do this, and the Holy Spirit told me to do that. And the Holy Spirit, in this kind of overemphasis, seems to be like this mystical force, that, and you're like a Jedi if you've mastered it. And then there's just these common sort of Christians that aren't operating like that. And, you know, we, we feel real bad for them. And, and sometimes in this kind of overemphasis culture, and the reason why I can speak about this overemphasis, this is my culture. Just remember Pastor Ben said, this is my background. So we're not speaking out of a lack of experience. So sometimes in this overemphasis, there's, a, there's an elevation and an honoring of the activity of the Holy Spirit, but not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Two different things. There's not as a high commitment to things like, you know, love. There's not, there's not this kind of really high commitment to self-control and peace. So that's, that's one extreme. Then the next is on, on the continuous this under-emphasis. And this is, this is probably a little more common. This is where God has to work according to how it makes sense to me. I have to be able to reconcile God... To my understanding, if he plays outside the sound sandbox that I've put him in, it, it's wrong, it's weird, it's odd. The Holy Spirit, uh, you know, I think he's important, but he's sort of like my weird cousin that's going to come at Thanksgiving, you know. I hope he's just like kind of there, but like if he starts acting out and talking and kind of going crazy, you know, we got to shut the weird owl down, you know. Now, the problem is both of these extremes lack biblical truth. Both of them are wrong. And both of them have a to the cost and the detriment of spiritual growth. So for 2,000 years, the church has been wrestling with this subject. We aren't going to take it to the mat and solve it today. You might leave here today and go, Andy, I don't fully agree with you. That's okay. Okay. That's all right. In fact, great minds land in different camps. And they use the Bible to illustrate and support their point. But what they don't do, what great minds don't do and committed believers don't do, is just ignore the Holy Spirit. So today's our turn. We're going to wrestle a little bit. We're going to challenge some of our experiences. Because, see, here's the thing. There are problems that arise when we think of intimacy and knowing God apart from intimacy and knowing the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible clearly teaches that apart from the Holy Spirit, you can do nothing of eternal value. Nothing. Jesus, when he was asked, why do you do what you do? He said in John, I only do what I see the Father doing. That's all I do. I don't create something. So, if Jesus isn't creating something, if Jesus is responding to the leadership of his dad, why in his name would we think we can do better? We can't. 800 times in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is referenced. One-third of the Godhead. Scripture teaches he's one-third. So here's my first point. Here's a big piece I'd like you to understand. The Holy Spirit is someone, not something. Jesus, in fact, himself, he wasn't unclear on the significance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wasn't a scarf that you could maybe put on or take off. No, it was central that it be part of our experience in our faith. So John chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, you want to go there, it'd be great. Open up your smartphones. you can grab it there. We'll also have it on the side screens. John chapter 14, we're going to look at verses that are just um, really, really quite fascinating to me. This is, this is Jesus speaking and he says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another. And what's that phrase after that? What's the, what's a counselor? counselor. I'm going to give you something that's counselor and it will be with you for, say it with me, forever. The spirit of truth. Now the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. That implies a lot of relational dynamics, doesn't it? But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. He's not in you yet. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But he will be in you. So we can, if we were just sitting around a study, we'd say, well, what the hell is it, why does that talk about the Holy Spirit? Personal. He. It's not in it. He. It's going to live, so it's going to want relationship. It's going to want to, it's, it's somehow wanting to relate to me. Am I relating to it, to the person of the Holy Spirit? There's a counselor. Now, this is a really interesting idea. This gives us a window into the role of the Holy Spirit. And this idea is that it comes alongside the believer. It comes alongside the believer to do some things. One is a kind of a role of an intercessor. The Holy Spirit prays and sort of supplicates God on behalf of the, Holy, of the Christ followers. It's an advocate. It's a comforter. It brings aid and it brings assistance. Do you need any of those things today? Any of those? Do you need wisdom then you say, Holy Spirit, I need wisdom. Holy Spirit, I'm hurting today. Could you give me comfort? Holy Spirit, as you plead my case to the Father, let me know what you're thinking. You're a counselor. You go to a counselor to gain insight that you don't otherwise have. So now, here's what's really interesting. If if I were to ask you, what? era of life, Christian life, would you like to live in? Would you like to live in a time where you were around Jesus physically? You saw him. You could, you could look at him. When he spoke, you heard him. Would you like to live in that season? Or would you like to live in a season where the Holy the, the, Jesus physically wasn't with you, but his spirit was with you? I mean, just, just think about that. I mean, you have a migraine. You say, Jesus, could you heal my migraine? Jesus goes, heal. That'd be pretty powerful, wouldn't it? You ha- you're hungry. You have like half a Cheeto. And you say, "Jesus, I'm really hungry." And he creates a meal for you that's you're just blown away. You're like, "Wow, your dog gets run over by a car." And you're like, "Jesus, my dog got run over by a car." And he resurrects your dog. Your cat gets run over by a car, and Jesus holds the funeral. That's like just That's it. That's it. Right? It's biblical. It's biblical. Cats came after the fall of man. It's just, we'll talk about that next week. Think about this. Where would you want to go? Lots of us would say, well, of course I want to be with Jesus. That'd be pretty cool. Hold that thought. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your what? What is it? Say it. It is to your advantage. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, you will not have the very thing you need. The counselor. It's not possible. But when I go, I'm going to send him to you. This is a shocking idea. That it's better to live in an era with God's spirit than with God physically present. You have an advantage that the disciples didn't have when they were with him physically. They would get that later. So what's the advantage? Well, you need to return to the book of Acts in the New Testament. And that's why we always say around here, that's why Pastor Ben says every day, read your Bibles, read your Bibles, read your Bibles, because you want to get a context for why this is such an important Shift. In fact, if you read the book of Acts, you're going to read a seismic shift in the Holy Spirit's activity in helping people live a supernatural life in a natural world. So let's, let's go to Acts chapter 1. Do not leave Jerusalem. This is now Jesus has died. He has resurrected and he has reappeared to the closest of the followers to him about 120 at this time are in this place waiting for him they're totally despondent they feel like you know it's just unbelievable but now he has showed up so they're kind of renewed in hope and they're thinking let's do this let's overthrow Rome let's get this thing going and Jesus teaches in Acts 1 this do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift have you ever gotten a gift you ever given a gift and someone says, oh, I love your gift. And then they take it to the closet and they never wear it. They never use it. How would that make you f- feel? Hold that thought. But wait for the gift my father promised. What gift are you promising? More doctrine? Which you have heard me speak about. Remember, guys, we did this a little earlier. For John baptized you with water. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw you were baptized, Jesus. But in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Huh? What? And what will happen when you receive receive this baptism? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then as a result of that, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You're going to go everywhere, boys. I love it. I I think this is what Jesus was saying. Boys and girls, you think the last three years was amazing? Buckle up. You haven't seen anything. I'm going to do something. I'm going to give you a gift. And the ordinary life you live is about to become extraordinary. I, I don't know about you, but I... I want that gift. My spirit's coming, Jesus says. And when that happens, extraordinary things will take place. Jaw-dropping things. Acts chapter 2 continues, and here's some of the things that immediately happen. The disciples begin to speak in a language they don't normally speak. They They can speak in a dialect that those outside the church understand. They're like, I mean, you talk about like Rosetta Stone on steroids. These boys are busting out languages, and they're like, wow, what's going on here? Peter becomes a bold witness. Do you remember Peter's story? What was he before? He was a coward. He had denied even knowing Jesus. It says that when he was asked, he started hurling cuss words to like try to fit in, you know. Hey, let me drop the F-bomb so that I don't look like I'm a follower. And so now all of a sudden he is a bold witness and he begins to speak to people who were present at Jesus' murder and who could probably turn around and have him murdered. And he says, listen, I'm going to speak to you about the one that you murdered and I'm going to lay out the story of the gospel. And he does that under such power that that group from 120 grows to 3,000 people. Later, we read that this group of people do something. Instead of holding on to their stuff with clenched fists like people normally do, they open up their hands. They don't just give 10%, they give it all. They give it all. They start hearing needs in the community and they're like, You can have my car. They didn't have a car, they had a donkey. But you know, you get the point, right? You need food. Why don't you come and eat with me? And this this shift in the community and the relational dynamic was so staggering that Luke the writer said, I've got to write about this. There is a watching world that looks for a community that can function like that. And there's a power that God wants to give so that that is possible. So what in the world can do that? There's only one force. It's the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit's not a relic that retired 2,000 years ago and now just watches the earth from the distance. He is actively involved in the life of people for the purposes of God's plans to redeem and restore the world. And you and I, as Christ followers, Get to be a part of that. If we receive the gift, if we say, I want to open that gift up fully that I received upon salvation, I received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon you on salvation, lives within you. There's not less or more of the Holy Spirit given to you on salvation. You are fully given the Holy Spirit. Then what you do is you just say, God, I want all, I just want to operate fully in that powerful gift that you've given. Billy Graham said this about the whole experience in Acts. On the day of Pentecost, that's what that day is talked about, we just referred to, the Christians were so excited that the people thought they were drunk. That's pretty crazy. People outside the work of the Holy Spirit will look at you and go, that doesn't make sense. Why would you forgive your enemies, the Holy Spirit? Why would you start to give over your resources to a work in India. Come on. Why are we feeding the neighbors? Don't they, why don't they just get jobs or whatever? That's the cultural climate. Because of the Holy Spirit. So it's just strange that people don't understand it. And then it says, this is what Billy says, we go into the average church today and certainly no one would accuse us of being drunk. Rather, they would accuse us of being asleep. Wherever Jesus went, there was excitement in the community. What's he going to do? Who's he going to heal? Man, what's he going to do with the religious establishment? Wherever the apostles went, went, in the New Testament talking about Acts, there was that same sense of excitement and expectancy. And Billy says this, we need to recover it. And recovery does not look like you and I leaving here and trying harder. Recovery looks like inviting and receiving. In fact, I would say to you that the main work of obedience towards Christ is to not block the flow of the Holy Spirit through you. You don't have to beg your dad to give it to you. He's already given to you when you've accepted Christ. You just need to say, thank you, God. And let me recognize how you're working, Holy Spirit, so that I can join you and where i start to hear brokenness and where i start to see that the kingdom's not flourishing i'm going to in boldness interject the kingdom of god into that so let's talk a little bit let me let me kind of illustrate it this way this is my ikea lamp thank god for ikea couldn't couldn't have a house with ikea what we know about this is that electrical current is the extremely Uh, rapid passage of electrons. All right? So there's electrical current is already present here. We did not create electrical current. We understand it. We know now maybe how to harness it. We know how to leverage it. But there are people at a time when the, the electrical current was, the reality was experienced, there were people that rejected it. But then there are now people that really understand and see its utility and its benefit. There are two sort of materials that are involved. There are conductors and resistors. Conductors are organized around an atoms, and there's something called free electrons. Free electrons allow, they leave the atom and attach to another, they're, they're, they're generous, they're, they're loose, they're, they're available to attach themselves. And it's the free atoms, it's the free electrons are those conductors that allow the Holy Spirit to flow Easily. Or allow the electricity to work. Then there are resistors. Resistors are atoms that hold tightly. They're always anxious. Do we have enough atoms? Do you know? Hold on to our atoms or we'll lose them. And those things limit power. Limit electricity. See, if you want to kind of live a Holy Spirit powered life it's quite simple go ahead and pull the lights up just a little bit guys be a conductor not a resistor let me just let me just pause are there any points of resistance in your spiritual life these days does the idea of opening your hands and turning over your resources to the work of God scare you? Do you think if I do that, oh, I'll lose this, and oh, I can't lose that. And then if I, could, I can't meet that obligation. And the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, why don't you just open yourself up? Why don't you stop resisting me. Some of us, you know, we're so angry at somebody that's hurt us and we hold that and Thanksgiving and Christmas will just resurrect all that venom and all that hurt and all that pain And, and the Holy Spirit's saying, I'm a counselor. I can heal that. But if I heal that, Lord, what if they'll get away with it? They'll, I can't heal it, Lord. So, you know, I, I can't do that. I can't let that happen. So, what? where in your life, can we all be honest, there's probably room, there's more room for the Holy Spirit. Look at this warning from Paul in Ephesians, <clears throat> found in the, uh, chapter 4. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Isn't that interesting? Don't grieve God. See, when you don't open that gift, if I give my wife a gift and she doesn't open it, that saddens me. I made the mistake early in our marriage of buying her jeans. Don't ever, guys, don't buy your wife jeans. She will not use them, okay? So I just a little side note there, that was for free. but do not <laughs> grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Well, how would I grieve the Holy Spirit of God? How would I grieve him? Verse 31. "If you don't get rid of things bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander and malice. See, it's not a mystery, guys. It's a surrender. Let me, let me explain this verse this way, okay? Just to help you understand grieving. My wife loves to make out with me. She does. She just loves to kiss me and hold me. And there's times when I'm like, babe, just stop, okay? I, I just want to be held. I mean, guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, I come home from work, and she's like, hey, baby. I'm like, seriously, babe, I've been working all day. You know, the kids have been around me. I'm tired. But she wants to, and the more I resist her, and say no, and the more I say, hey, look, I don't want you to touch me that way. Hey, hey, God, hey, Christine, I want to do it my way. I don't want you to do it that way. She is grieved. Our relationships suffers. The power of intimacy is broken. So I'm a servant husband. I give in, <laughs> right? That's, you can thank me later, and when you see her today, say, wow, your husband is a just a servant man, because let me let me share with you this prayer of a conductor who's modeled by Jesus. You ready for this? Let's look it up here. Would you just say that out loud with me? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer of a conductor in my family. Your will. God, in my finances, your kingdom come. With my sexual habits, with my need for gratification, your kingdom come. See, I think as we wrap this series up, what I would say this morning is no more resisting. Just come. I love this promise out of Galatians. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce the kind of fruit. This kind of fruit is no mystery. This is what will happen when the Holy Spirit's working through your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, Four Corners, But I need more of that. And I don't need a Bible study. I need the Holy Spirit to give me that. I don't need to try to conjure that up in my own effort. I need to surrender. Yes, I have a relationship with that. And when the Holy Spirit begins to speak, it often looks like me saying, yeah, I got your kingdom, Lord. Your kingdom. Because he's relating to me. We open this... uh, this morning with this lyric, I wrote it down you do great things remember Pastor Will was singing that? what if our prayer this morning was do more great things do more in my family do more in my health do more in my marriage, with my children. I don't want to parent them according to culture. I want to do great things. I want to pray more boldly like Peter prayed. I want to empower and trust with great faith. I want to be so extravagant with my joy that it changes how other people interact with me. I don't want secrets. I want to walk in here and be be pure before the Lord. I wanted my relationships with other men and other people in this church to be characterized by gentleness and love. Can you imagine how powerful this Christmas season would be if we said, God, bring a wave of your divine activity that was so much like a tsunami that we just got swept up in it? We didn't try to control it. We just rode it. And you empowered us. So with that in mind, let's take out our bold steps. Let's let's identify some action pieces. The first is just a surrendering statement. If you've not made a decision for faith, my friends, you cannot have this gift. What we just have talked to you, you cannot have without this first gift being given to you. The gift of Jesus' is death and resurrection and you just receiving that gift. Then in that receptivity, the Holy Spirit comes. So you need to take that step today. We could play a lot of music. We could work up the emotion. I'm just telling you right now, if you've not made that decision, you're limiting more than just power. So break that off and set that up. The next is baptism. Again, we see this surrendering behavior. Just check that box if you'd like to learn and hear about baptism. I'll reach out to you. One of our staff will. This is the prayer that I'd like us to pray. All of us maybe take this step, step C. I will pray each day this week. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me and help me to respond to your leadership in my life. So just imagine you this week saying, in the car before you go to work, you pause, you open your hands up, you say, Holy Spirit, come. Come to work. I've got a tough conversation to have today. And if I try to have it in my own power, I'm probably going to get angry or I might not have it. You are my counselor. Would you give me the boldness that I need or the compassion that I need, the gentleness that I need, the self-control that I need? What if this week, every day at home, you gathered with a person close to you and said, how did the Holy Spirit reveal himself to you today, this week? Today. Wow. can you imagine in our small groups if that's what we're talking more about step D sign up for you version this is a bible reading plan that's online available to you I'll explain that to you if you don't know it I'll send you an email we'll link you into it but this is a reading plan through the bible that'll be dropped in your inbox and it'll help you just build a theology and an understanding around the, the uh, Holy Spirit so check that and engage scripture this week Don't wait till next Sunday to engage the Holy Spirit. Engage scripture, engage the Holy Spirit every day. Then step B, we're so excited about something we call the core rally around here. And on on Saturday, December 12th, we're gonna have another. The core rally is for people who are invested in this place. They, are, they want to know the direction and they say, we're going to help you, Pastor Ben. We're going to lead. You can count on us to be alongside you leading. And so Pastor Ben will be there. He loves to share some visions and thoughts. We're going to talk to you about as we head into 2016, what we're excited about, what challenges we face, and the Holy Spirit that will help us empower and get us through all of them. So I'd love for you to be there at the core rally. You can st- take step E and I'll, I'll link you into that. Let's pray about these things. Father, as we uh, pause, we have a lot of uh, a lot to process today, and I'm praying for men and women in this room that need more power. Maybe the doctor has said something to them, and they think it's cancer. They think it's a tumor. They're scared. They need you. Would you do healing work there? Whether it comes through the doctors or you divinely just inter- intervene, I don't care, God, but I want your power there. For marriages that are broken and relationships that have been fractured, bring your power. I pray somebody go first and say, I'm, I'm sorry. try again I pray this Thanksgiving we'd be men and women that are grateful for the fullness of your presence our relationships would be characterized by joy and gratitude our groups would become these places that are just communities of high trust and relationships so Holy Spirit, there's so much we could pray about. You already know what's needed, so we just close this morning saying, come, (laughs) all of you, we want to be conductors, not resistors. In Jesus' name.